0: Good afternoon, Commander. I'm eager to hear your
1: opinion on the improvements made to the TIE Defender program. Allow me to present
0: the Defender Elite for your inspection, Grand Admiral. And then I will provide you with a flight demonstration.
1: A Jedi? here, yeah? Ezra Bridger. Capture him! Secure the prototype. September 2018. If you were in Nashville for Michael Haven's IC Collector's Convention, you may have taken part in one of the largest modern Star Wars prototype sales by one of the biggest and most knowledgeable modern Star Wars prototype collectors. Or like most people there, you may have been standing in the sprawling lobby of Franklin, Tennessee's Courtyard by Marriott Hotel, just past the front doors, beyond the elegant bar and table area, and into the wide open room with a non-working fireplace and many, many Star Wars collectors. And we're not even aware that this special moment was occurring. The night before the IC Collector's Convention, known as the 2018 ICCC, Star Wars enthusiasts of all kinds gathered in the lobby for what we call room sales. These types of sales started years, if not decades ago, but not in lobbies and conference rooms where they're typically held now. Back then, collectors staying at the same hotel for an event would bring items to trade and sell, often rare and unique pieces, and would lay everything out in their rooms and on their beds, opening their doors to let people peruse what they brought. As interest in the hobby grew, so did the impatience of the hotel staffs, and the room sales were pulled from the rooms and floors where other guests stayed and slept, and the hotel lobby became home base for some wonderful and amazing finds, trades, and deals. Witnessing this abundance of modern Star Wars prototypes brought in by just one person at the ICCC room sales was a true rarity. There were enough containers filled with prototypes and pre-production pieces that they came into the hotel on two separate luggage carts, each cart piled as high as it could hold. And there were prototypes of every kind, covering every Star Wars line produced by Kenner and Hasbro since the 1990s. There were blue Darth Vader heads marked with internal tracking numbers, black plastic C-3PO's, presentation boards showing conceptual designs for a toy line in its earliest stages. There were Clone Wars and Rebels figures, Force Awakens and Rogue One prototypes, 30th anniversary items, legacy collection characters, Power of the Force pieces, as well as displays and boxes from the prequel trilogy collectibles. There were carded figures with different bubbles and figures with different paint applications that varied from the figures you remember seeing in stores. Others had quality control tags taped to them, stating what needed to be fixed before a toy went into production. There were mock-up toy boxes that showed what a Star Wars item would eventually look like when it was finally produced and shipped to stores. There was even a Saga Collection Django Fetch toy mock-up box that said in bold letters, with really cool features, because apparently Hasbro hadn't decided what those really cool features would be yet. And in bins left and right were headless, wildly colored bodies of all shapes and sizes, and there were even a few hand-painted resin hard copies, which represented one of the earliest stages of a figure or vehicle. And all of this was tucked away in a hotel lobby's corner and went undetected by a majority of the people that were there that night. But for some, it was an awakening.
0: There has been an awakening. Have you felt it?
1: An awakening into the existence of something beyond what they formerly knew about Star Wars toys. And a few friends purchased their first prototype pieces that night. For others, among the din of the crowd and of warm conversations, the excitement of finding these early pieces for a character they love or collected, or both, was palpable. The joy of the hunt, of learning that beyond the curtain, there is more, and knowing you have a piece of the creation process that births some iconic figures, and at a fairly reasonable price too, is a wonderful feeling and an amazing experience. But wouldn't it be great to learn where this all started? Just to get a better understanding of the process for each line and how a Star Wars toy comes to be the one we know and love today. At some point in our lives, we've all stared out at the stars in the stillness of night and have asked, how did I get here? But have you ever stopped to look at what you collect to say, how did it get here? Over the next year or so, through a series called Collecting Prototypes, let's take a trip together to try to understand more about modern and vintage Star Wars prototypes dating all the way back to the Kenner toys of the 1970s and 1980s, and how the pre-production process evolved to bring us today's most recent Hasbro releases. Let's work together to better understand how a toy develops from a concept into a collectible and how and why people collect prototypes and pre-production pieces. This is a journey into the vast worlds of toys we grew up with and were reunited with as we became adults. This is a look at things that are as familiar to us as our childhood bedrooms, and some that are as new and as exciting to us as those memorable experiences that brought us to this point in our lives. This is the Collecting Prototype Series. And this is Star Wars prototypes and production. David Quinn. Oh, it's a trap! Yes, monster. <laughs> well, we're going to have company! I The more you tighten your grip, up, the more star systems will slip through
0: your fingers. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. The Force will be with you. Always.
1: Prototypes. We've all heard the word... Some of you may be familiar with the idea and have seen some before at toy shows or online. And hey, some of you may be prototype collectors already. But just what is a prototype? What does it represent and how did it come to be? And more importantly, how and where do you find one? Even if you already have a few prototypes in your collection, I'm guessing you may not even know about or fully understand just what you're collecting. How to properly classify the prototypes you may already own, what makes something like a hard copy different from, say, a first shot, and actually, what is a first shot and what is a hard copy? And where did these prototypes come from? So much to learn and know, and honestly, that's okay. Don't feel awkward or embarrassed if you don't really know that much about the process. What I've realized is that some of us may have a basic idea of how a toy is produced, or may have a more solid understanding of one particular part of the process because we own some pieces from that part. But how many of us have actually created a toy from scratch? How many of us have worked on designing a figure, or worked in a factory or for a toy company? The simple answer is, very few of us have had that direct experience. It's like talking about the preparation of complex food dishes without ever stepping foot into the kitchen to cook them ourselves. Since prototypes are rare and somewhat hard to come by, there isn't one true guidebook or manual, although there are some phenomenal resources out there, and I want to try to clarify a lot of the mystery for you. So to begin, what is a prototype? To me, there's no better place to start than the Star Wars Collector's Archive, which you can find at the swca.com. The SWCA was started and has been run by many of the collectors responsible for piecing together information about Kenner Star Wars prototypes over the past few decades. And as longtime collector and curator Christopher Turgulius notes in his lexicon entry, defining the term prototype is somewhat tricky. In the collecting world, it has morphed into something different than when it was first used at Kenner. Back then, the designers who worked on the toys referred to many of the early examples as prototypes, but they were ones that were made in steps and materials before the first plastic versions, which we call first shots, were tested. So to a Kenner employee, a prototype would be a hard copy made from a type of urethane, or a sculpt made from wax. Today, the word prototype has become somewhat of a catch-all, basically describing any item that was part of the creation process of a specific toy before reaching the final production example that would make it to the store shelves. And while these include the items like hard copies and sculpts that the Kenner employees would have designated as prototypes, they now include things like first shots, paint samples, as well as 2D pieces like cardback proof sheets and chromolins. And honestly, with the confusion around collecting terms, I struggled a bit with titling this new series. I settled on calling it Collecting Prototypes because the word prototype is the most common and most understood name. It's also the reason why I called my podcast Prototypes and Production. Even if you don't necessarily understand the terms as they relate to collecting, you get the most basic idea I'm trying to convey. As I mentioned in the early bird episodes, I had been collecting the vintage Kenner Star Wars toys, the ones that invaded every toy store between 1977 and 1985 for years. And while I was collecting, I really kind of stumbled into the world of prototypes. I had always been interested in the pre-production pieces. I loved the idea of being able to peek behind the curtain at how the figures I love were produced, and I was fortunate to pick up a few cheaper vintage prototype pieces. That set the ball rolling for me, and I also became interested in some of the modern figure prototypes as well, because I was able to find some of the characters I liked from the newer films and shows, and they were surprisingly affordable. I'll slow down for a second to explain what I mean by the term modern. Modern Star Wars figures are any of the ones produced and sold between 1995, when Kenner resurrected the line for a new generation of Star Wars fans, and the present. Even if you're not familiar with many of the modern Star Wars lines, you've definitely seen them before. From the red and green carded Power of the Force 2 figures, the Episode 1 figures that flooded every toy store in the late 1990s, the blue carded Attack of the Clones toys, the 2007 30th Anniversary Collection highlighted by a coin to match the figure, the animated and slender Clone Wars characters, and to the more recent and premium-quality Black Series 6-inch figures produced today. Well, within a year of picking up my first modern prototype, I became obsessed. I wanted more and more of them, and I wanted to know more and more about what they were and where they came from. And as I've seen over the past few years, there are many good reasons to collect Star Wars prototypes, or even prototypes in general. Here are a few reasons why I developed an obsession with prototypes, and why I think many of you who collect can relate. Number one, the colors. Prototypes are often produced in colors different from the colors we know a figure or figures to be. For example, everyone knows that Darth Vader wore all black, including his cape and his helmet. But often, the creatives at Hasbro or Kenner would produce prototypes in what we call non production colors, colors that would be markedly different from the final results. They would often use the colored plastics that were already in the molds, and as a result would produce some pretty creative examples. So to see a Darth Vader with neon orange limbs, a lime green chest, purple cape, and a coffee brown lightsaber, it's pretty striking. Prototypes come in some crazy color combinations, like a black and yellow snowtrooper, a red and gray Obi-Wan Kenobi, or a green and pink Rancor monster. There are even some that were produced in one color, like an all-white vintage Empire Strikes Back Dengar, a solid brown Clone Wars Cad Bane figure, or a 6-inch Black Series teal Poe Dameron. Another reason could be a different point of view. Sometimes the paint jobs we see on the figures at retail are, well, not the best. Some of the complaints about the modern figures is that the paint applications look rushed or sloppy, Or that they mask some of the finer details of a figure's face or body. So strip the paint away and remove any of the extra fabrics like cloaks or capes that may come with a production figure. And what are you left with? A better view of the original design of the figure. Prototypes that are unpainted or were created in different color plastics help to give us an appreciation for the sculpt itself. And seeing a figure in a different light will give you a renewed appreciation for that figure. Plus, you may catch details that were either covered up by paint or fabrics that you may have not noticed before. Another reason why I started collecting was rarity. If you're like me, a large part of the fun of collecting is in the hunt. And while some of the figures and vehicles we collect are pretty rare, many times prototypes are exponentially harder to find. Often, the earlier in the pre-production process, the fewer examples exist. So there may only be one or two sculpts of a particular figure, And for something like a hard copy, there may be fewer than 10 produced. On top of that, a lot of the prototypes were either discarded, destroyed, archived, or given away, making finding specific pieces or certain figures incredibly challenging. But the chance to acquire one, whether it's finding one at a toy show, a garage sale, or a flea market, or even getting one from a former Kenner or Hasbro employee, can be the fuel that keeps prototype collectors collecting. Another is a connection to the characters we love. Part of the reason I began collecting modern Star Wars prototypes came from developing a connection to some of the characters from the newer stories. One of my first modern pieces was a plocoon, simply because I loved the design of the character. And at the time, although I wasn't interested in collecting modern figures, I felt owning a plocoon in pre-production form was a great way to display my appreciation of that character. And watching the Clone Wars series, I had connected with newer characters like Anakin's Padawan Ahsoka Tano and Captain Rex. And since collectibles often serve as tangible souvenirs of intangible moments, I felt picking up some prototypes of these Clone Wars figures was a great way to celebrate what the series meant to me as a Star Wars fan. Another reason is the history. Often, prototypes and pre-production pieces mark a moment in a Star Wars figure's development. Each prototype piece serves a specific role in the process from being an idea to appearing on a store shelf. And many times, the prototypes are experimental, so you may see a big difference between what the creators originally intended and what actually makes it into stores. Did you know that Tebow, one of the 1983 Return of the Jedi Ewoks, was originally sculpted with an angry, scowling face before being softened for production? Or that Dexter Jetster, the multi-armed owner of the diner in Attack of the Clones, was originally crafted smoking a pipe, before the Hasbro designers finally removed it. So if you have a scowling Tebow or a pipe-smoking Dexter, you have something that very few people will ever see, let alone own. And a simple change, like an altered expression or the removal of a pipe, means something to collectors because it represents the step in a creative process before landing on the final product. And for various figures along the modern and vintage lines, some alternate sculpts have turned up. These may be heads that look different from the ones we know and love, or it may be that a character was posed differently from what became the production figure. And some prototypes tell the history of figures and toys that never made it into production. Kenner had created a prototype of Gargan, the six-breasted character in Jabba's palace, but the line was canceled before the figure ever made it any further. And there are a whole slew of figures from 1985's Droids and Ewoks line that only exist in prototype form, like Mon Jolpa, Chief Chirpa, and Jessica Mead. Some, like the Ewoks cartoon series Lu or Nisa, only made it to the early wax sculpting stage. During a figure's journey into creation, a prototype can serve as a mile marker on the road to production, but it can also serve as the only evidence that an idea for a particular toy ever existed a final reason is exploring the unknown. Since the vast majority of us were not there during the creation and production of these toys, and since there is no one-stop guidebook about prototypes, that story is left to the collectors and the community to put the pieces together. And there's something terribly exciting about that. Collectors have unearthed pre-production pieces from the vintage and modern lines consistently, and I'm sure there have been new discoveries this month alone. And when a community comes together and shares a series of ideas, the story of Star Wars toys becomes our story as well. To put the time and effort into research and to reach out to others to share ideas and to help one another learn makes for an exciting and rewarding communal hobby. In some ways, this may be the best reason of all to collect. So to recap, some of the reasons why I started collecting prototypes were the designs and crazy colors that give a different representation of a familiar toy, an appreciation for and connection with beloved characters, a chance to appreciate the figure or collectible in its most basic form, the excitement and thrill of the hunt for rare items, the history of the figures we love and the process behind how they came to be and the chance to share ideas and piece together the history of Star Wars figures in conversations with other collectors. And you can tell your own story in the way you collect, and in the way you display your prototypes. I have some friends who seek out only the prototypes that were made in those bright, bold colors, and the focus on color is what unifies an entire display. Others focus on collecting everything of a certain character from a specific line, like the vintage Leia Hoth from Empire Strikes Back or collecting everything of Darth Maul from 1999's Episode One release. Often, the display of a focus collector will be a celebration of a particular figure. Other times, the display will serve as an historical timeline of the creation of that figure, starting with the earliest iteration of the figure on the left side and ending with the production figure on the right, with all of the steps and stages in between. And yet there are some collectors who just love a particular line, like the 1983 to 1984 Return of the Jedi run, or 2014's Rebel line, and their displays will reflect that world of figures, vehicles, and playsets in pre-production form. Prototype collecting gives you a freedom to collect and to display what you like, and to do it in an incredibly unique way, where the rarity of these items makes it almost impossible for two people to ever have the same collection. And you might be wondering why I'm doing a series of podcast episodes on Star Wars prototypes. Over time, I've seen people who want to collect, but are extremely hesitant to do so because they simply don't know how, or even where to begin. And while more and more information about prototypes and collecting is coming to light every day through internet pages and in Facebook collecting groups, locating and understanding what to do with that information when taking your first steps in this hobby can be somewhat daunting and intimidating. So my goal is to give you a clearer understanding of what prototypes are, what the pre-production process is, and how you can begin to collect if it turns out to be a part of the hobby that interests you. As I've said before, I also want to bridge the gap between vintage and modern toys, so that regardless of what you collect, you may develop an appreciation for the hard work and creativity that has gone into all of the Star Wars lines throughout the past 40 years. And knowledge is power, especially in a hobby that's as fan-founded and somewhat undefined as Star Wars prototypes and pre-production. And like I mentioned earlier, there isn't a one-stop shop, a prototype bible that will teach you all you need to know. But there are some great resources. And the more resources you employ, and the more you read and learn and study, the more comfortable you'll be with making decisions about what to buy and how to tell the difference between a real prototype and a possible fake. Over the course of this series, I want to provide you with resources books, websites, online pages, videos, Facebook groups, and particular posts that will help you to build your knowledge about prototypes. And I know I still have so much to learn, and these resources I'll share were created by people who have been doing this a lot longer than I have and know a lot more about prototypes than I do. And that's another reason why I wanted to do a prototype series. My mother, Obi-Mom Kenobi, always said, if you want to learn something, try teaching it. It forces you to get a stronger handle on the material and to figure out the proper questions to ask, as well as the correct information to share. And I can guarantee you that I'll pose some questions to which I won't have the answers. But that's why I've asked some of my friends who collect to help. I want to fill these episodes with discussions and conversations about collecting, and I want them to serve as records not only about the prototype process, but about the collectors who take part in our wonderful hobby as well. I want you to get to know them. Ever since I've become connected to the Star Wars collecting community, I've gotten to know some incredible people, and have honestly been bowled over every day by how generous they are with their time and knowledge, the size of their hearts, and the depth of their friendships and the marks they leave on the collecting world and on my life. And I've really witnessed this in the prototype collecting community, because in order to get the most out of the experience, you really need to connect with others. And when those others turn out to be caring, creative, funny, special individuals, well, it would be a sin to miss out on the opportunity to get to know those people and to build what could be lifelong, lasting relationships that will grow beyond a shared love of toys. So for this first episode, this overview on collecting, I'd like to introduce you to my mentor, to whom I affectionately refer as my Obi-Wan for Modern Prototypes. He is the one I spoke about earlier, who brought bins and bins of modern Star Wars prototypes to the room sales at the IC Collectors' Convention in Nashville. Anthony Pagano, also known as Gorko Racing on the message boards and on social media, is not your average collector. He is one of the godfathers of modern Star Wars prototypes, and has been collecting for over 20 years. And Anthony doesn't just collect them, but seeks to learn about the process and to record his findings in spreadsheets and lists that capture even the most minute details. And the knowledge he carries with him is incredible, and he's more than generous in sharing with other collectors, especially those who are just starting out or who are genuinely passionate about collecting. So I've asked him to do a regular segment on the podcast in which we will talk about collecting prototypes, their varied histories, his insights into the process, and how we came to acquire these unique and special pieces. Join me now for a conversation with Anthony Pagano. So, Anthony, uh, hello and welcome to Star Wars Prototypes in Production.
0: Appreciate it, man. It's great to be on here.
1: I was uh I I had started this episode with talking about uh the 2018 ICCC room sales uh and and that was actually the first day that that we had met in person um which I thought was really really special something I had been looking forward to for a long time Do you remember anything specific about that day anything about that that night or even just you know getting there
0: Yeah I mean it was a it was a good time I I enjoyed it uh, it was probably the 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 first time that i ever got a chance to bring a whole lot of uh modern prototypes to anywhere and so i mean i've gone to a celebration in the past but it was it was basically what i could put in my suitcase and backpack that i could take there so this time i i loaded it up i had i think it was like six large uh totes full of mock-ups and samples and then about eight small totes full of just like loose uh, star wars prototypes of all different different kinds uh, yeah, I, I had so much that, uh, I actually had to go get my, my dad's car, which would hold, hold more as my, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't hold it to, to make the trip. Yeah. Then, I remember
1: uh, you, you had, you had, you would send me a text message or called me and said, um, I'm I'm sorry, I'm going to be a little, a little delayed. I, I had to go get my, my dad's camera because, uh, they, they my prototypes wouldn't fit into my, my truck. And I just, at that point, I was like, this is going to be a really amazing night.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it took us uh two or three trips with a luggage cart to bring everything in. I think if I remember correctly,
1: it, it really did. And, and there were three of us that were, you know, that were carrying this stuff uh, I think to my room and then we, we shuttled it uh, to the, to the actual room sales, to the lobby. So that was, that was pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was a fun time for sure. <laughs> yeah. It was cool to see the uh, the, uh, the the vintage guys there, you know that uh, that I've I've known from the the forums in the past and everything, and uh, from Facebook. You now they were taking interest in uh, in the modern stuff. You know, a couple of them were buying things and and whatnot, and uh, you know some of the guys who had never never gotten into prototypes before were. Right. They picked up a couple of things, so that was cool to see them get their, their first prototype stuff.
1: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And I remember specifically David Kevin White, uh who we call uh, Jimmy Tupac or or Sir James of the Tupac. Uh he um he bought his first modern piece. Um do you remember what that was? He bought it from you.
0: Yeah, it was a uh presentation board for a uh, job of the hut type uh, setting. I guess they were going to Hasbro and pitched. Possibly creating a, uh, a multi pack or something like that uh, back back in the day. So it was a presentation board for that. Yeah, and I
1: remember when he bought it, he came over to me and, and he showed it to me. And he was he was so excited, you know, and he said, "I don't know what this thing fully is yet." Like he knew it was a presentation board, but he didn't know what it was for. But he was like, "I'm I'm going to now take time to figure out what it is and, and to dive into it." And I think for you know a lot of people who have who've done vintage who are looking toward modern modern is can be just as exciting as vintage and getting into that world uh can be really exciting because a lot of it is undefined you know has has hasn't been fully explored yet too so it was just really cool to see you know our our friends even justin haney um i remember he bought uh a bunch of i think they were six inch darth vader heads uh with the tracking numbers um from the uh the kylo ren uh, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive series. And I think he bought, you know, an Emperor or two from you as well, too. And, um, and Yehuda. Uh, Yehuda bought uh, he bought a few pieces as well, too. And and uh, I think it was one, I think it was, um, was it a C-3PO with a red head or a Darth Vader with a red head?
0: It was uh, Darth Vader with the red, red head. Yeah.
1: And, you know, again, I was standing kind of around where you were selling this stuff. And, and I mean, you know, Yehuda at one point just kind of elbowed me and he was like, isn't this awesome? Like isn't this amazing this 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 you know this this piece with this Vader with the red hat and, and I thought yeah like it's just an exciting world.
0: Yeah, I was enjoying just getting to meet everybody, you know, the, a lot of people that I only talk to on uh, on Facebook and uh, through you know, old websites like Rebel scum and everything. Getting to finally uh meet people and put, you know, faces to names. So
1: so, and you literally, I mean, just to, to give people who weren't there uh, an idea and, and people who were there a bigger perspective, um, you had literally hundreds and hundreds of prototypes with you that night.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably a fair estimate.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, how did how did this all start for you? How did you get into Star Wars?
0: Well, I mean, I've, I've always liked the, the movies and everything, so getting into to Star Wars wasn't really really tough, but, uh, you know, I started collecting the, the toys back in, you know, around 96, 97 time when the special editions were coming out. So, I mean, I always loved the, uh, the vintage stuff, but I never had any of those. My my cousins did. So I would play with them when I go to their, their house and everything. But, uh, yeah, I first started collecting in the, uh, the power of the force two uh, era. So yeah, the, uh, it was a, a friend of mine actually that uh, that got me into to collecting back in uh, I was in high school I believe and he he started buying stuff and he he showed them to me and I I thought that was pretty cool so I, I went out and uh, you know went went to Walmart and got some as well I think my first ones were a uh, a red carded Boba Fett then a green carded Jawa two pack so.
1: And now you have a a Boba Fett run as well too, so that that's kind of lasted the last what twenty something years.
0: Yeah, <laughs> very cool. Yeah the uh, the 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 first Grail that I had, I guess uh, the first figure that I you know tried to to define back then was uh, an Obi Wan because I couldn't find the power of the Force 2 Obi Wan, my friend or myself uh, weren't able to find him in any of the stores, and uh, went to a, a service merchandise. Store one night, and uh, I remembered seeing uh, three of them on the pegs. So I bought all three of them, and I gave one to my friend who got me into the collecting. And I kept the other two, and I still I still have those. So I've always oh, that's loved, loved that figure.
1: Yeah, and you have an Obi Wan run
0: as well, right? Yeah, that's probably one of my my favorite runs too. So yeah, that's fantastic.
1: So you so you started with those those two initial figures, and then you started were you collecting all of the ones that were available at the time or were there just certain characters that you were, you were collecting?
0: Yeah, I, I, I jumped into it, uh, pretty, pretty heavy or whatever. I started buying <laughs> everything, all the, uh, the figures that, that I could get, you know, I started getting at least one, one of each. And then that became two of each and that turned into five of each. So. <laughs> yeah, we,
1: we tend to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, So, so how did you make that transition? Then, what was the what was the bridge between buying those first few figures and actually getting into the modern prototypes?
0: Well, I mean it 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 took a while to get into the modern prototypes. Um, Like I said, I I started around ninety six or ninety seven buying the uh, the regular figures, and that, that. yeah, I started buying multiples of those and then got into uh, variations, you know, the long sabers and short sabers and things like that, and then uh, different packaging variations. Uh, I, I discovered Rebel Scum and uh, PowerTheForce2.com back in the the days there, and I, th- I thought it was cool, though, the, the different variations that were, were around, and, you know, some of them were bringing, you know, big money when I'd go to uh, local flea markets and stuff like that. So I started trying to find those and then those those got easy to find for me. So uh then I got into I found a couple error figures on on the pegs. So I got into collecting errors. What is an and, error uh, figure? So uh find uh you know figures that were missing paint uh, applications and then some that were you know like miscarded or had the uh, the wrong insert and um uh Missing a, a lightsaber, things like that. Mm-hmm.
1: So. so, was that something that you intentionally sought out, or was that something? And this happens to a lot of us as collectors now, where you know you get one or two, and all of a sudden you know you say, "Oh, okay, I guess I'm collecting these now." You know, and you were just kind of picking them up as they as they popped up.
0: Yeah, I found one on the pegs. I think uh, back in the day, I can't remember which one it was, but uh, I I thought it was cool. So I uh, I started actively hunting for those because I I knew what you know all the the figures and the the packaging variations and everything looked like. So as I would thumb through the pig figures on the uh, the pegs, I could tell if there was something off from from one of them most of the time. So I found a lot of them on the pegs, and uh, then I got you know got an eBay account and started buying some on eBay <laughs> too. Yeah. Sure, sure. You know. I'd, collected the airs and then a, a friend gave me some, uh, gave me a foreign figure. He went to, uh, to London to visit his family, you know, one one summer and he came back and brought me a, a tri-logo figure. So I, and I started buying foreign, uh, variations and everything. I got into bootlegs as well, you know, went from bootlegs. And then what, what really, uh, got me into it was I, I actually found, uh, what I thought was just an error figure on, on the pegs one night in Walmart. It turned out to be a, uh, a mock-up prototype for uh, R2-D2 from the uh, Saga collection.
1: So, Wait, so you found you found a mock-up for an R2-D2 from the Saga collection at a Walmart?
0: Yeah. Just, uh, just it, on the pegs? Yeah, it was actually the Midnight Madness for the, uh, the Saga collection figures. So, uh, you know, Walmart... I I was standing in there from about 11 p.m., you know, watching them hang all the the figures on the the pegs after they opened the cases of them. And I I knew that there were, uh, I guess from the earlier reports, that there were some some variations where people found inserts in the the packaging. So I I got all the ones that had the inserts, and then I got all the ones that didn't have the inserts. And then I found this R2-D2, and it had a, a different insert than all the others. So... I thought it was was strange at first, so I bought it. and then uh, you know, several years later, actually I, I found out that it was a a mockup.
1: <laughs> wow. oh my gosh. and were there were there differences uh, on the the character itself, on the figure itself?
0: yeah the uh, the the figure it had a couple paint uh, differences, but it came with these two uh, centipede looking bugs, and mm. the ones with uh, on the mock-up. They were painted red, had uh, red paint on them. Where the pro the uh, production figure doesn't have that red paint, but uh, on the card back, you can see the the millipedes or whatever they are. They had the uh, the red paint. But on, I also noticed on this this mockup one when I flipped the card over. Again, I didn't even notice it uh, for probably a year or two. The uh, the back of the card it was a, a super battle droid card back that it was on so it had this oh interesting unique insert you know the the painted millipedes and it was on a super battle droid card back <laughs>
1: well, that's fantastic
0: <laughs> yeah fantastic
1: wow. so that that would be your first prototype piece then
0: yeah i've still got that one in my uh, in my room here today and then where did you go from there uh from there you know once i finally figured out that it was a mock-up uh, i I'd, I'd seen them before on on ebay and places like that so i i think i, I purchased uh well, behind the uh, power of the force 2 had a, a sister website that had uh, it, it dealt with prototypes things it was called behind the com. Mm-hmm. so i checked on behind the toys uh, pretty often as well and you know, I saw somebody selling a, a couple prototypes on there so I bought a few first shots from them so it, it just blossomed from from there and anything that I I thought was cool I, I tried to pick up and was was power of the force 2,
1: the the site was was that essentially uh, rebel scum but for modern collecting
0: um yeah i mean rebel scum had its modern section and it was it was pretty good as well but power of the force dot com it, it dealt mainly with the power of the force two line uh they started you know uh getting into the other lines as well but I mainly went there for the power of the force two stuff because I collected the variations and errors there were a lot of really uh, uh you know, really not knowledgeable collectors on there that had tons of uh variations and errors and uh Things like that, and Vic, you know, knew so much about it. I, I kind of found my home on there, and like uh, like talking with those guys.
1: And I believe you said that uh, it it might be coming back now, might might be uh, resurfacing as a site.
0: Yeah, there's a. Uh, I'm I'm still friends with the uh, the, I guess the the owner of the original site, and yeah, you know, we've been trying to to get him to uh, to to bring it back for years and years. And he he says he's got all the uh, you know the archives of of everything you know, that he had backed up, and I think uh, one or two of the members tried to actually buy the archives from him to uh, <laughs> to at least put them back on the uh, on the net for just to you know share that information with people. But uh, yeah, it was you know a couple of days ago, maybe a week or two, he uh, he posted that uh, that the the website was coming back. He had, he was working with a. A web developer right now to, to bring it back that and behind the toys so that should be great
1: these groups these collecting groups they wind up turning into this this amazing vault of knowledge uh, where you might not see this information otherwise uh, so to get something like power of the Force 2 and um, behind the toys back would, would be absolutely incredible I mean that would be great for the hobby um, oh yeah especially as more people are getting into uh, power of the force 2 and and modern
0: uh, prototypes now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's, there's even you know there's there's people that that don't like social media that uh, that don't like uh, Facebook and don't have Facebook accounts. So once people started migrating from uh, the various you know forum web forums over to, to Facebook, uh, a lot of these these collectors you know didn't didn't join in. And there's there's some you know super collectors that have turned into you know recluses now, They're <laughs> huge black hole collections, but. So hopefully those will, those people will come back once Pirate uh, Force 2 and Behind the Toys come back.
1: Yeah, uh, it's really amazing how much stuff is out there. Um, you know, and I, I think a lot of times we see that tip of the iceberg, but we really don't get to see just how many pieces, how many different types of pieces uh, for all the different lines are, are actually available or were available at the
0: time. Oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's quite a bit of stuff.
1: So, so what are your areas, your main areas of, of focus, and if you can kind of go into a little bit on each one, that'd be great.
0: Uh, so my my main focus areas are the, the Power of the Force Two, uh, basically the the entire line of uh, Power of the Force Two figures, so. mm-hmm. but uh, mainly the, uh, especially the the first twelve figures from that were released in nineteen ninety five. I really like. Uh, being prototyped for those and have a, a, a pretty decent run of those going so far. So then, but, uh, but you
1: wouldn't say no to, you wouldn't say no to one, you know, from 99 or 2000, correct?
0: Um, oh, no, I'm like I said, the, uh, I'm going after the, anything in the, that entire line of power of the force Two. So, okay. And I think there's, you know, something like 150 or, or more figures mm-hmm. in that, in that. So I've got, uh, uh, I guess a lot of stuff to to go after, and then uh, <laughs> that also you know leads me into the the vintage collection line. So I've got a i have got I love the the sculpts for those, and there's a lot of original trilogy collector or uh, original trilogy figures in that and I've been blessed to to pick up quite a bit of of those so far, so I'm collecting prototypes for that entire line as well, and it's still going now since they brought it back.
1: So when you say original trilogy, I mean uh, sorry, vintage uh, collection. Uh, yep. You're you're talking about the ones that the, the line that began in about 2010. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, they they started it with the, the the OTC line. I think it was around 2005, and they they came out with these VOTC figures, the vintage original trilogy collection figures. So mm-hmm. then when the uh, the saga two line came out, they did you know VTS trilogy saga collection figures so um i collect those as well
1: and these were ones that they they're made to look like the the card back is made to look like the original star wars card backs that we grew up with in the in the 80s correct
0: yeah they they look like the, the old vintage you know card figures and the the figures themselves have uh a lot of articulation they're all uh, super articulated and that was the main draw for for those back in the day you know they the other lines had five or six points of articulation and these have you know probably twice that or more
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the, the vintage collection that ran from 2010
1: to 2012 it stopped for a number of years and i, I believe it just came back in 2018 uh and and has been going strong right
0: yeah so I and you, you still collect those find well. from, yeah. I haven't been able to find uh, many of the the newer things because uh, you know the new modern prototypes are are pretty hard to get nowadays since they uh, Hasbro kind of cracked down on the security form. You see a lot of uh, a lot of figures pop up for for sale now. Uh, the The prototypes that do come up, they'll, they'll be missing their heads or or something like that because. The, the the person who liberated them, you know, <laughs> they, uh, just threw away the head so they wouldn't get caught kind of thing. So, uh, so if we're,
1: if we're going to dive into your collection, um, what is your, what is your favorite piece, your favorite single piece in your collection?
0: Uh, I, there's no way I can just, you know, narrow it down to, to one favorite piece, really. I've got, you know, favorite, uh, Pieces I and mean, mm-hmm. uh, my Obi Wan run for the uh, Power of the Force two that we mentioned recently. You know, I, re- I picked up a uh, a wax sculpt uh, chest for that figure uh, pretty recently here, and that that was a, a major accomplishment. You know, I've never seen wax pieces for the you know, for the the first the the early nineteen ninety five figures. So, and then getting getting one and adding it to my run, you know for the figure that I I like so much and uh, you know grew up collecting so that was that was a huge accomplishment. Yes, then
1: your I, your OE1 run is outstanding. If you could just explain maybe a, a few of the pieces that you have for it to give people an idea of of what a run is like uh, when it comes to modern prototypes.
0: Oh, so I've got the the wax sculpt chest now and I've got well, the I guess the the earlier steps would be uh, the uh, presentation board. I don't have the original presentation board, but I have a photo of the presentation board that was used in a uh, the the meeting to pitch the the Power of the Force two line, which was originally called the uh, uh, the uh, trilogy edition. So they changed it to Power of the Force two when it uh, came out or before it came out. But um, so I've got a, a picture of. That was in that uh, that binder used at the the pitch meeting, and then I've got the the slides that were used to, during the pitch meeting. So it's got a a slide, thirty five millimeter slide for that uh, that presentation board, and then you know I've got uh, the tooling master hard copy, which they make the the molds for. Uh, I've got uh, some paint master hard copy pieces, uh, and then I've got you know several uh first shots and test shots of the the figure in various stages of production uh different colors production colors uh then I've got uh, some packaging samples some you know QA uh, QC sign off samples
1: quality assurance quality control
0: yes mm-hmm. wow i
1: mean that that's <laughs> It's an immense run. Um, I, I've gotten, I've had the opportunity to see pieces of it. And it's just, you know, especially for one of those early figures, you were talking about the, the, the wax sculpt as well, too. I mean, what was the feeling to get? Because uh, the wax sculpt is really the earliest, one of the earliest 3D um, versions of, of a character that's going to be made. And, the, and as you said before, the fact that you, it, you just happened to come across this wax sculpt that that were part that was, um that belonged to the figure that you collect what was that like you know to to finally be able to get something like that after decades
0: it was it was awesome i mean it was wasn't even on my radar because i i didn't think that that it still existed uh, these days you know I, a lot of the wax sculpts were were broken up when they they pull them out of the molds they'll just use a screwdriver or whatever to to pry it out of the mold and no pieces will break apart and everything so it, was it was awesome to see that it it was still around and then to be able to pick it up it was was just a a blessing (laughs) yeah
1: and and in the condition it's in too i mean it's in pretty solid condition especially for a wax you know which is very delicate
0: yeah it uh the the person i got it from they didn't know really which which figure it was for they were trying to uh to figure it out so i helped them do that since i had the hard copies we I started looking through uh, what what figures I thought it could be, and we got to the the, the power of the Force tube band, and it, it turns out that was that was it. So it was awesome. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah,
1: I remember the uh, the day that you were able to add that. I mean, that was just such an exciting moment, you know, and especially collecting together and going through this this journey and adventure of collecting together too. Um, it's it's so much fun to celebrate the wins of of your friends, you know, and, and to, to know, you know, the time that you put into not only learning about this stuff and hunting down the stuff, but also, uh, educating others and working, you know, to, to help others, um, with their collections. I mean, you know, just, just to to have a moment like that where you get this pinnacle piece, um, I'll never forget, uh, 2020, you know, uh, or I'll, I'll always point to that, uh, as one of the, the highlights of collecting for 2020.
0: Oh yeah, Definitely. I mean, I, I I enjoy getting pieces from my my collection, but you know, like you said, you know, I, I enjoy also when when I'm able to help other people get stuff for for their you know focuses or their their runs that they've got. And it's, it's 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 good feelings. So
1: yeah, yeah, it's always exciting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Were there any other pieces uh, that you would list among some of your favorites um, from some of the other lines, maybe even some of the more recent lines? That you collect?
0: Uh, yeah, um, there's, I've got a, a, a three up hard copy for it. What, what was a, an unproduced uh, mini tank uh, accessory from a KB toys exclusive or what would have been a KB toys exclusive They had uh boom nine and a little miniature uh, droid tank. So I, I purchased it, you know, without knowing what it was, uh, just had a, a like one or two photos of it and a, uh, a bad description. It was, it was real cheap when I, when I bought it. So I, I figured I'd go ahead and buy it. And, uh, when it arrived, it was a, a hard copy. It was, you know, real heavy and comes apart in, in two places. And I researched it trying to figure out what it was. And I was able to figure, you know, place it that it was that unproduced tank from that, uh, that, that canceled. set. yeah, I've vin- mentioned my, my vintage collection run and, uh, I've got a, a nice rocket uh the rocket firing Boba Fett mail away. I've got a uh a loose uh paint sample of it. And now I've got a uh a carded sample of it as well. And uh you know, I've got several several different mock ups and uh, a really nice run of the, the Tauntaun uh you know uh, creature and uh I've got a, a pretty good run of uh Dengar. From that uh, vintage collection line going, there's a unproduced head uh, wedge antilles that I've got a a nice carded sample of that. And then I've got probably my my favorite one is a, uh, a Boba Fett three pack uh, from it. Uh, it's the the villain set, kind of like the the vintage ones in that same style. So it's got a Tusken Raider, a Boba Fett, and a Snackletooth. And it was actually used by Hasbro. Uh, at San Diego Comic Con and uh, Celebration Six. It was their display piece that they, they had in their their cabinets. Was how, did,
1: how did you know that? How did you know that it was uh used specifically for that?
0: Well uh, it's got a couple of you know distinguishing characteristics. There's a uh, uh kind of a a crease or a bump in the uh the bottom right hand corner of it and it doesn't have the uh the target exclusive sticker on the front—it it was peeled off, but there's residue. You can see that in photos of it as well. But the biggest thing was that uh, security tracking number that I mentioned before. You know, luckily uh, you can use those to, to verify pieces like that. So they only use a security tracking number, you know, one time on each 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 piece. So uh, this one has the the same number that the one in the display cabinets that both of those uh, shows had. And so I was able to to pinpoint it that way.
1: And you matched it up using photos that you found on the web
0: from yeah. Toy Fair. I mean, from, was it Toy Fair? It was uh, Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, Comic-Con okay. and then Celebration 6 in Orlando.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, very cool. Yeah. Are there any pieces that you either regret
1: giving up, or were there any that you missed out on um that you had the chance to buy and just either weren't able to or, or didn't at the time and uh any any big regrets
0: yeah i've got uh several of them of course you know i've been doing this for you know collecting prototype modern prototypes for like 20 years now so uh some of the the notable ones i guess would be a uh, there was a the modern vintage collection, Rocket Firing Boba Fett, Mail Away. There was a Paintmaster hard copy that popped up for sale, and uh, I was negotiating a deal with the uh, the seller, and somebody hit the Buy It Now on it, so I missed out on that one. You know, I I had a Power of the Force two, uh, the Luke Tatooine from nineteen ninety five, the original, uh, one of the first twelve from ninety five. Uh, I had a an unproduced chest hard copy of that I, I sold that off and I've been trying to buy it back uh, tried to buy it back from the the guy I sold it to and you know now that I've got this run but uh <laughs> haven't hadn't had any luck doing that and then I've missed out on the ones that have that have popped up for sale since then I've I had some vintage blueprints for uh, I guess some of my uh, only like vintage uh, prototype items. I had some some blueprints for some accessories, and I, I sold those off and traded them off for way too cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had a, uh, a a Comtech version two. It was a uh, an unproduced Comtech uh, uh, Comtech line, you know, from the episode one uh, series. Uh, I had a it was a up of the old obi-wan it was a, a one-of-a-kind piece there was only one that's been ever found and it has a hard copy packaged in it and you know it took years to track it down uh we you know everybody thought it was lost to time it popped up for sale or it popped up in a uh in a photo in a uh a japanese clothing store window mm. after you know probably uh five or six years of nobody knowing where it was after it sold <laughs> on ebay originally and then, about ten years after that you know i tried tried to uh contact the store and find out who owned it and everything and didn't have any luck with it and then you know luckily I was able to to get in, get in touch with uh the the owner of it eventually and was able to buy it so but i it's great I passed it on to uh another collector who's got a a great contact uh contact version to uh you know run. So yeah, um, I hated to see it go, but uh, you know, uh, it belongs in his collection. So, I bet you
1: the person who owns that now, uh, who's added it to his contact run, is very happy uh, with that decision.
0: Oh yeah, it's mean, <laughs> never going to leave his his run. And there's sure. a, another guy, those recluse collectors, who's mad because I I, I didn't sell it to him. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that that happens a lot too at our hobby. Absolutely. Yeah is there a certain piece that you'd like to own one day if you're able to, whether, whether we know it's out there or not, is there, is there anything that you would
0: like to add? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of stuff. There's not really just one, uh, that unproduced chest uh, Luke that I mentioned, I'd like to find the the painted hard copy for it. And you no, know, do own, own that. Uh, I'd like a, a metal mold. I've got a, uh, Kind of a goal to have at least one example of every step in the production process, and uh, I'd love to have a, a steel or metal mold. And I've actually been offered one, but didn't have the, the the funds at the time to to get it. So I kind of brokered it for a, a friend who who got it. But I did get to you know, at least see it and hold it. So most of my sources cool. usually laugh when I, when I ask for a uh, uh, a metal mold. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can imagine the shipping on that has to be absurd.
0: Yeah, the that's what they say. they you know, the 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 one guy, you know, said he could get me one for maybe like ten grand, but uh he said the shipping would be crazy. And then, you know, when I told him, Okay, I'll I'll try and, you know, work work with him on it. He he you know, kind of fell silent after that. I even had a <laughs> I've got a friend who's a pilot who who travels out, you know, to China. He he was willing to go and, you know, pick up the the mold and <laughs> and fly it back. <laughs> wow! But uh, yeah, there's a couple other things, you know, like there's a I know there's a concept uh, ATST. I've got to focus on the ATST vehicle. There was a, a rocket firing one. I've got a picture of it, but uh, I'd like to find that.
1: You've been doing this now for for over twenty years. What what keeps you in the hobby? Um, why why do you keep collecting? And and uh, and is it still as exciting for you as it was when you first started?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still exciting. The the production process has, has changed, so um, I mean, I've got that goal of trying to find an example of everything you know from each each step in the process. So now I've got more steps to add you know, pieces from. Sure. And, uh, let's see. So, I mean, you know, I, I just enjoy, you know, learning about the, the pre-production process. So it's, it's fun. I, I'll, I'll continue to, uh, to do it as long as,
1: as long as it's still enjoyable. So, so what's it like, what's it like to be a mentor, uh, to, to others in, in our hobby? I
0: mean, no, uh, I don't really think of it as being a a mentor. You know, it's just more uh, developing you know friendships with everybody and sharing something I'm passionate about. So yeah, I, I still remember our our first phone call. <laughs> uh, with you, I was I was at, at work. I took a. a, a a uh, a break i guess an, an air break to go outside and i was talking with you on the phone out in the uh the summer alabama heat, heat and humidity for about 30 <laughs> minutes so yeah i mean it was, yeah. I you know i i i guess i enjoy corrupting uh corrupting people so
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've done a good job so far <laughs> yeah but no but but i mean yeah, like I mean, I know you don't think of it as, as mentoring, right. And it's not, it's not like, Oh, I'm, I'm part of the, you know, modern Star Wars prototype mentoring program, but, but you, you have, and you've done it, you've really not done it as a mentor, but you've done it as a friend. But, um, you know, but I, I, a lot of people come to you, you know, they come to you with questions, they come to you for advice and everything like that. and, and, you know in a way it's it's a blessing because you you're in a position to help others you know and i think that's really my question like what's it been like to help others you know where where you you have this knowledge you have um this this interest and this love and what's it like to share that love and knowledge you know with others and and to help to
0: to see them flourish i mean it's it like i said i enjoy I enjoy corrupting you know, corrupting <laughs> young ones i guess it is but it's <laughs> sure it's I, I mean, I, I, I get enjoyment from it. Uh, I would I would say you know, you know, there's you know during the whole COVID nineteen stuff, there's been a lot of great Zoom meetings you know that uh, people've been doing, and uh, you know I've learned a lot from from being on some of those, and both uh, been able to you know pass some of that information on to other people. I, I just enjoy uh, educating everybody, you know, and you know learning more about it myself. So.
1: Before we go, is there is there a a solid piece of advice that you can give to somebody who collects prototypes or uh, someone who is is maybe just beginning, the, you know, down down this path of corruption? Uh, <laughs> is there is there any advice that you could give to someone?
0: Uh, you know, my 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 advice would be just to read as much as you can, educate yourself on on the the different uh, steps in the process, and. Uh, just about all this this stuff there's there's a wealth of information out there like we've talked about you know lots of great facebook pages and uh, websites with info uh you can still get to uh you know behind the toys and power the force too you can get to sections of it from like archive you know website archive uh, places and uh hopefully when it comes back here soon uh, you'll be able to find all that information there and you know my buddy's got a uh, a really good site, uh, prototype Uh, it's a great one. You got a lot of information on the, the process and a lot of, a lot of cool pictures and, uh, a lot of good information for the, uh, unproduced type stuff. And then just make friends and, uh, learn as much as you can ask, ask questions if you have any. <laughs> and that'd be my advice.
1: Sure. And that, that's, that's, it doesn't get more solid than that. So, uh, Oh, awesome, Anthony! I'm so glad we got to do this uh, today. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and and I look forward to to more of these conversations on Star Wars prototypes and production.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate you having me.